Michael Jordan, a phenomenal, phenomenal basketball player. You know, he had a coach that cut him when he was in middle school. I wouldn't want to be that coach. Wouldn't want to be that coach. In fact, he was told, you're never going to be as good as your brother. So just hang it up. Just go find another sport. Find, you, you don't want to be in your brother's shadow. Anyone know his brother's name? That's my point. <laughs> That's my point. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was phenomenal. I mean, Michael Jordan, he could dribble, he could slam, he could lay up, he could shoot the three. He could, I mean, he could totally mess you up. He could cross over and leave your shoes over here and you over here and he'd go straight to the hoop. But there was something about Michael Jordan. He could fly. I mean, I wanted to be like Mike. <laughs> I wasn't great in basketball, but when I played, I played with my tongue out. When I was taking it in and I was driving in right before I had to get swatted, a defense would stuff me or swat the ball. My tongue was out, baby. I was like, I was coming in all five foot, something, something. Michael Jordan was amazing. Amazing, amazing. And then Michael Jordan hung it up. He hung it up and then Michael Jordan did something that caught a lot of people off guard. I mean, it was crazy because none of us thought that Michael Jordan would go play baseball. But when you found out baseball was his true love, he would say, his true love. So he played in Birmingham, played baseball. He took almost the 18 month sabbatical from the NBA. MLB was on strike. OJ Simpson, the whole trial was going on. I remember this. This was my freshman year in college. The world was shocked by some of the events that were happening. I mean, hockey, we didn't have hockey, man. Come on. It nothing. We had Michael Jordan playing baseball. And kudos to Michael because Michael went for it. Michael wasn't afraid of failure. He went for it. And he said, I don't care what people think because what people thought is they said he can't go play baseball. He's going to mess up everything he did in basketball. And Michael Jordan said, you can't take that away from me. You can't take away what I did in basketball. You can't take away the championships. You can't take away the championship ring. You, you can't do that. You can't take away the trophies, baby. You can't do it. And then all of a sudden, March 18th, 1995, Michael Jordan not only shocked the world, the athletic world, but he shocked the entire world with two words. And all he had, all he had at his fingertips was a fax machine. So he faxed in two words. Do you remember? I'm back. That's exactly right. I'm back. And with I'm back, the world went crazy. I mean, crazy. We didn't have Twitter back then. If we had Twitter, Twitter would have broke. It would have froze up. If we had social media, it would have crashed. A fax machine. I'm back. One of the greatest comebacks of all times. I don't know about you. I love a good comeback. 
I love a great comeback. I've not watched any football today. Please don't talk to me about football. Recorded a game that happened earlier. I don't know the score. I don't want to know the score. We're going to go home after church. Don't be that guy. Please don't be that guy. Don't be that woman. Equal rights. So, so we're going to eat and we're going to have fun. We're going to watch that later. So I, so I don't want to talk football. But right before when we were praying and getting ready, someone said, my team was, ah! And then he said, man, my team went in overtime four times. Four times. There's something about us that loves a good comeback. There's something about it, especially if it's an underdog, and we're like, man, we love a good comeback. It is engaging. There's something about the story. And when Michael Jordan came back, all the world took notice. But can I tell you something? As awesome as that was, March 18th, 1995, Jordan's two words that caught the entire world, literally arrested the entire world's attention with I'm back. Can I tell you something? That's not the greatest comeback that's ever going to happen. Not the greatest. For there is one that is way greater than Michael Jordan returning to basketball. And that is the second coming of Jesus. Yes. Did you know there's over 300 prophecies that Jesus is coming back? That Jesus is coming back. Over 300. So we're in this series, week two. We're going to be in this series for nine weeks. And we're going to study Revelation. And we're going to get into it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to take notes? Are you ready to hear the word of God? Faith, are you ready to get some faith today? Are you ready? Anyone need a little extra faith today? Anyone need, I'm not trying to be corny. I'm not trying to be funny, but anyone need a faith lift? Do you need a faith lift? Anyone need, like I'm, this is where I'm at, Pastor Tim. I need my faith lifted. I need my faith lifted. Let me tell you something. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So let us be hearers of the word. Let us not just be hearers of the word. Let us also be doers of the word. Let's get into it. I'm excited to bring this message to you. The greatest comeback ever. The greatest comeback ever. We ask these questions like, is Jesus really coming back? I mean, is he really? Come on, Pastor Tim. Man, I've heard this my entire life. That Jesus is coming back. He ain't come back. And last week we said that the reason why Jesus has not come back yet is because God is long-suffering. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The problem is not everyone's going to come to repentance. Not everyone's going to come to repentance on this side. Not everyone. But make no mistake, there will come a time where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. He's exactly who he said he was and he's going to do exactly what he said he would do. You can rest assured that Jesus isn't just a promise maker, but Jesus is a promise keeper. 
He's never lied. It's impossible. Not once, not even close has he ever. Not even once. So we ask the question, when will the rapture take place? Now listen, the rapture, the word rapture is not in the Bible. And so some people are like, well, we don't believe it. It's not in the Bible. But did you know the word God isn't in the book Esther? I think I mentioned that last week. But when you read Esther, all through Esther, what do you see? You see the evidence of God. You see the fingerprints of God. You see the footprints of God. And so just because it doesn't say God, we all know God is right in the middle of that book. God is right in the middle of Esther's story. God is going to get the glory. And the word rapture was actually translated for us as a word out of the Greek meaning to come up. And they chose that word because there was joy implied. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and I'd hear about the rapture, I'd get scared. I'd be like, ooh. You know, like if my hand was caught in a cookie jar, I'd be afraid like the rapture. It's coming back, I, I'm telling you. And growing up, how I grew up, man, people preaching all the time. They're preaching all the time about like Jesus is coming back and the rapture and all this kind of stuff. And I wanna tell you something. Listen, it is still relevant. In fact, it's extremely relevant because this church age right now is living in some exciting days where you can take a newspaper and you can take the Bible, or better yet, you can take the Bible, then you can take a newspaper. You can look online and read the news. You can look at your phone and scroll through the news and you say, my Bible told me this a long time ago. Are you with me? Jesus is coming again. And he's coming again soon. Let's look at the writer of Hebrews. What did he say? Hebrews 9, 28. So also Christ was offered once for all, for all time as a sacrifice. And why was he sacrificed? In baseball, you take a sacrifice, it's to move someone else ahead. Watch this. A sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. Our sins would never have been taken away without Jesus' sacrifice, without Jesus Christ shedding his blood. He, he couldn't just have been a, a, a good man. He, he couldn't have just come and, and hit, his, hit his head and, and fall over dead. Jesus had to shed his blood because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And the good news is he did come. He did die. He did bleed. He was buried. He did rise from the dead. And because of his blood, you and I are healed. You and I are forgiven by his stripes. We're healed. I'm excited. I hope y'all excited. I've been excited to preach this message all week that Jesus is coming back. Jesus could come back before this message is over. And I'm not just saying that to be cute. I'm telling you, wouldn't that be something if you were found faithful in the house? If you, if you were found faithful following Jesus and all of a sudden Jesus comes again. And he comes in the clouds and the dead in Christ will meet him first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up 
There's the word where we get the word rapture. We'll be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. But Hebrews says this, he will come again. Hebrews 9, 28, he will come again. He will come again, not to deal with our sins. You need to understand that. He's not coming to deal with our sins. He dealt with our sins at the cross, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now, anybody? I'm happy all the way, all the day, every day. Why? Because he did come. He did deal with our sins then, so he's not coming back to deal with my sins now. My sins are under the blood. I'm going to preach this, and I'm going to do my best to preach this, but my sins are buried. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath God removed my sins from me, and he remembers my sins no more. Somebody could get excited today because Jesus doesn't remember your sins. The blood not only covered, the blood cleansed our sins away, pressure washed them. And now we're white, made white as snow. So he will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Salvation. We get salvation when we call on the name of the Lord. But this is talking about Jesus coming to get his kids out of here before judgment happens. We'll talk more about that next week. Well, Pastor Tim, I've heard in the pre-tribulation, the mid-trib, the post-trib, we'll talk about it next week. I totally, completely, 100% believe in the pre-trib, that the rapture is gonna happen, and then that will begin the tribulation. But, but why do I believe it? Well, I believe that's what the Bible teaches. Well, why do you believe that? You need to come back next week. Next week, we're gonna get in to that, but Hebrews 9, 28, he's coming not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all. Someone say to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Are you eagerly waiting for him? The scripture tells us the word, it gives us the word Maranatha. Maranatha means the Lord is coming. Maranatha means, all right, about three of you, let's try it again. Maranatha means Let's go, Gulf Breeze. Come on. Let's go online campus. The Lord is coming. So Jesus is coming again. Someone say Maranatha. Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon. Do you know that when Jesus comes, some things are going to begin to take place like crazy? They're going to begin to take place like crazy. You see, the rapture is God's catalyst to usher in this seven-year tribulation where the first three and a half will be, it'll be crazy. It'd be different. I might sing in this thing now. Here we go. This mic is not made for singing, but this one, you never know. I might sing uh, when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. You remember that song? We're going old school now. Uh-huh, let's go. So the catalyst that God's gonna use is the rapture. And, and it will be a global disaster and it literally will catapult the entire world into complete chaos, into unimaginable fear, into hysteria, into loss, 
and complete chaos. It will open the door for a one world government, for a one world currency, for a one world religion, for a one world leader, the anti-Christ. The question is, are you ready for the rapture? Are you ready for the rapture? Because Jesus could come at any moment, it's imminent. That means nothing has to take place prophetically. Nothing has to happen prophetically before Jesus comes again. So Maranatha, the Lord is coming, it's good news. We talk about prophecy, we're talking about things to come. And last week we said that prophecy helps us because it proves Jesus' identity, but it also proves his deity, that he is God, that he is who he said he is. And, and, and if over 500 prophecies are already fulfilled and there's still 500 remaining, I, I'm gonna bet that these 500 are gonna happen just like he said they were, because these 500 already happened just like he said they would. And so when we begin to study prophecy, the word is eschatology. Say eschatology. eschatology. Say it real loud, ready? Eschatology. And when we're talking about this word eschatology, we're talking about the study of end times. And what a great time to study the end times. Last week we talked about Revelation 1 verse 3, that there's a promise to me as a preacher if I'll read and if I'll preach this book and there is a blessing, a promise blessing to you if you will hear and study and obey the truth found in Revelation. John 14, one through three. I quoted it last week. I wanna look at it again because we're gonna compare it. Jesus said this to his disciples. They're kind of sitting down. They're kind of hanging out together and, and Jesus notices that they're anxious. Jesus, Jesus notices that they're troubled. He notices that they are afraid, that they're afraid. And so he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Is your heart anxious? Are you afraid right now? God bless you. Are you afraid of what's gonna happen? Are you scared? Are you worrying? Are you petrified of this disease? Are you worrying about the uncertainty of what's gonna happen? Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, he said, I'm gonna come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Jesus is coming and he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I love you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter four. This is Paul's letter. We're gonna read verses 13 through 18. And now, dear brothers, do we have any brothers in the house today? Do we have any brothers in the house right now? Any brothers here today? Men, watch this. Do we have any sisters in the house today? I know what you're thinking, men. Mulligan. Do we have any brothers in the house today? It's a little bit better. All right, all right, good stuff. Good stuff, good stuff. Dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know, 
what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. I did a celebration of life this week. And I tell you, man, being a pastor, you know, funerals are no fun. They're hard. Because you love people and you see people hurting, right? And death sucks. That's why Jesus came, to do something about it. So it wouldn't suck the life out of you. And every funeral that I do, for the ones that were believers, it's a whole lot easier because we know that we're gonna see them again. We know that it's not goodbye, it's see you later. Are you with me? My mom has been with Jesus for 40 years of my life. She's been with Jesus. I, I, I wonder if it just seems like five minutes. Like if it feels for her, like it's just been a little time she's having, you know what I'm saying? I mean, time flies when you're having fun. You know what I'm talking about? If she's like, man, this has been so awesome. And then all of a sudden Jesus is like, all right, I'm going to get my children. And Paul says, hey, I, I want you to know what's going to happen. Look at it, Thessalonians here. We, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when, by the way, when, not if he comes again, but when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. How many of you right now, you're watching online, you're in Gulf Breeze right now, you're in Pensacola right now. How many of you have someone right now, whether recently or 40 years ago or less or more, but you got someone right now who's in heaven? waiting for you. Raise your hand. Guess what? It's going to be worth it. Guess what? They've been safe in the arms of Jesus. They've been in heaven. They've been walking on the shores of heaven. They've been safe in the arms of Jesus, in the presence of Almighty God. And, and Paul says, I want you to know, so you don't grieve like those that have no hope, that when Jesus comes back, when he comes back, God is going to bring with him all the believers that have already died. Verse 15, we tell you this directly from the Lord. This isn't like someone said and someone said and they told someone, they told someone, and then they didn't translate it correctly and they didn't pin it and all the, no, no, no. This is straight from the Lord himself directly. It's kind of like parents when, when you know, you got multiple kids and, and the one kid is misbehaving and you tell the other kid to go tell that other kid that they better straighten up and they don't do it because it's only the brother, it's only their sister. But then when you say, you tell them mama said, you tell them daddy said, they better straighten up. There's a little more mm to that. Are you with me? And, and Paul said, I want y'all to know, I'm not making this up. I didn't just dream this up. This is straight from the Lord that we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself, I'm thankful the Lord himself will come down from heaven. He already did it once. So this is second coming. He's coming again. He already came once and that time was to take care of sin. But this time isn't to take care of sin. This time is to take us out of here for celebration. He will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, 
with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we, we who are alive and still remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord, someone say forever. So, 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 so because of this, encourage each other with these words. Now let's take those two real quick. Let's take John chapter 14, one through three, and let's take 1 Thessalonians and let's compare what Jesus said and what Paul said. Are you ready? John 14, three, Jesus said, I will come. First Thessalonians 4, 16, Paul said, the Lord himself will come. He will descend from heaven. John 14, three, Jesus said, I will come and get you. Paul said in first Thessalonians 4, 17, that we will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. What's he gonna do? He's gonna come get us. In John 14, three, Jesus said, you will always be with me where I am. And Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, then we will be with who? The Lord for how long? Forever. In John 14, 1, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. And Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, 18, so encourage each other with these words, the church, the body of believers, those of us, the redeemed, the ones who have been forgiven of our sins, the ones who are not perfect, but we have been rescued by the perfect one. We are to encourage each other that the Lord is coming back, that this isn't what it's all about. This life is a drop in the ocean compared to being together with the Lord forever and ever and ever. Are you with me? So encourage each other. How many of you, how many of you stand up right now? You're at home, I want you to stand up. Don't be lazy. Get up off that couch. I know it's hard to get up out of that comfort, but get on, come on, get on up. How many of you could use some encouragement right now? Would you stand up? I'm standing. How many of you would stand up right now and say, I could use some encouragement? I could use some encouragement, Pastor Tim, right now. I would say there's a great crowd here in Pensacola. I would say probably 90% of us are standing up right now. I've got some great encouragement for you. And then you take it to other believers. Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. He's coming. Cancer, cancer isn't the end. Divorce isn't the end. Heartache isn't the end. Heartbreak isn't the end. Arguing isn't the end. Suffering isn't the end. This life is but a vapor. It appears and it's gone. And Jesus says, I'm gonna tell you something. He said, I'm coming back so that where I am there, you will be also, hallelujah, Maranatha, Jesus is coming. Stay, stay standing, if you would, in the presence of God. Going to close out 1 Corinthians. Paul penned these words also. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 58. He said, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. It's wonderful. Remember, Daniel was told, shut it up. Shut up the prophecy. You're not allowed to talk about it. But John the Revelator was now told, write these down. 
By the way, when you read Revelation, we'll go there in just a minute. We'll go there in just a minute. We'll, we'll close with that. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. We're not gonna all die. I believe in God for the upper taker. That's the rapture. That's the like in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're gonna read about, watch this, watch this. We'll not all die, but we will all be transformed. Transformers. Did you know that there's more than meets the eye? Do you know that there's more than meets the eye, that you got the spirit of the Holy One inside of you? It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, literally in translation, in the twinkling of an eye. Literally, we're told that when your eyes are closed and it's total dark and you open them, we're talking about the speed of light, the amount of time that it takes for that light to hit your eye. In that amount of time, we will be transformed and we will be with the Lord. That's for those of you that know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just because you come to church, just because you've gone to church, just because you got a Bible, just because of who your parents are, doesn't mean that you're going to be here and then be there when the rapture happens. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you've never humbled yourself to Jesus, if you've never taken a knee at the cross and said, I need you, God. I can't do it myself. I need you. Oh, I need you to forgive me, to wash me, to create in me a clean heart, oh God. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. But I'm willing to receive this gift. That's how you become a child of God. And if you haven't done that and the rapture happens before this message is over, you will be left behind. And if you thought COVID was crazy, if you thought COVID was chaotic, I want to tell you something. When all of a sudden millions of people across the entire globe, kind of like the pandemic, touched everyone, became a tragedy, but this is going to be a big tragedy for everyone left behind. But for those of us, we're like, whoop, we out. We with Jesus. Come on. Jesus is coming again. It will happen. It, it's not that it might happen, and it's not that it could happen, but King Jesus said, write it down, mark it, highlight it, underline it, circle it, whatever you got to do to remember it, it will happen that Jesus is coming. And, and Paul said this, it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, by the way, Maybe next week we'll talk a little bit about the Jewish calendar. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about what is this trumpet thing? What's important about the last trumpet? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But uh, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> into bodies that will never die or mortal bodies that must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. So when our bodies are transformed, then the scripture that we never understood on earth, but then one day we will see Jesus face to face and we will understand this scripture that's fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. So, oh, death, Where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? Where's your victory? For sin is the sting that results in death. 
and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and over death through who? Church attendance. Through what? Our baptism. Through what? Our devotions. Through what? Our morality. Through what? How we vote. Nope. Through our, our. So if he's my father and he's your father, then you're my sister and I'm your brother. You're my brother and I'm your brother. We brothers from another mother. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, last verse. So, because of this. Because of what? Verse 57. Go back to the verse before. Because of this, that God gives us the victory over sin and death through Jesus. So, because of this, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong. What's the opposite of strong? Don't raise your hand for this. Are you feeling weak? You feeling weak? You tired? You exhausted? Jesus says, come to me. Everybody. That's burdened, exhausted, tired. Come to me. Come to me. Not so you get chastised, so you get rest. He says, be strong and immovable. Always, someone say always. Work, someone say work. Enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. All right, turn the page real quick. Revelation, Revelation chapter two, chapter three. We start reading about the churches. I, I uh, will be Wednesday on Facebook Live. Um, the last two churches over the next couple weeks, tune into that. But when you go to Revelation 4, here it is. Then as I looked, so the church age is Revelation 2 and 3. And we're told about seven churches that are seven literal churches, but they also represent a church period in time. The last one being Laodicea, which means the rights of the people. That's the day and age in which we live right now. We live in the day and in the age of the rights of the people. How many know what I'm talking about? You with me? No, yeah, it's, it's here right now. And so, so chapter three finishes with the rebuke that Jesus says, you are not cold and you are not hot. You are actually lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, I wanna spew you, hurl you, spit you, vomit you is the picture there. I wanna get you out. And he's talking to his children that are lukewarm. They're, they're not cold over here. They're not hot. They're just over here and they're lukewarm. Do you know the condition of the church when Jesus comes is going to be lukewarm? And I want to tell you something right now. I drove all the way from Gulf Breeze and I didn't go over the three mile bridge because we ain't driving that way right now, are we? I, I drove around, but I drove around so you could hear the sound of the truth that is Jesus says, church, do not be lukewarm. I'd prefer you cold, I'd prefer you hot, but don't be right there stale, warm 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 I, I i think i get the picture about warm milk or warm water you're playing sports and then you go to get a drink and it's warm what do we do we spit it right back out 
We said, yeah, that's nasty. And that's the condition of the church when Jesus comes. And that's how Revelation 3 finishes. We're going to read this verse and be through. Verse or chapter four, Revelation verse one. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven and the same voice I heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you with me right now? It sounded like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. And from that point on, Revelation four, verse one, the church isn't mentioned again. The focus is on the tribulation and those who are left behind. Are you ready for the rapture? Are you ready? Do you know him? Are you ready? Are you walking with him? Are you following him? Are you living for Jesus? Or are you backslidden? Have the things of this world taken over your heart? Money, possessions, Neither one of those are bad. It's not wrong to have either one of those. You just don't want that to have you. We want to be like Paul said, man, all these things are like nothing. I count them as, Paul said, dung. He it says, it's, it's crap. All my accomplishments, everything, it's nothing compared to Jesus. And Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Next week, we're gonna talk about the rapture part two. There's a whole lot more here about the rapture. Why do we believe that it's pre-trib? We're gonna talk some more about it. What are we supposed to be doing? Here's a big question I wanna answer next week. What are we to be doing while we're waiting for Jesus to come back? We're gonna talk about that next week. What are we supposed to be doing while we're waiting? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, we honor you. We worship you, God, right now, for those of us that are Jesus followers, Lord, if there's sin in our life, God, Lord, that we are just continuing to partake in, we're just continuing to walk that way, God, forgive us. God, if, if there are Christians here today that, that are lukewarm, God, there was a time when they were on fire, red hot for you, Jesus. There were times when, when knowing that their friend didn't know you would bring tears to their eyes. There was a time when they looked forward to reading your word and, and calling out to you, Jesus. And now it's a checkoff. There was a time when they were excited about the fact that they had been saved. And now, eh, there's no joy. Then God, I pray right now, spirit of the living God, I ask you to fall fresh in this place right here. And for those watching online, God, I pray that you would right now convict, convict. And God, I pray after that conviction and after that repentance, Lord, that you would bring restoration and that we would have joy again. That's what David said. He said, Lord, forgive me. Give me my joy back. The last thing this world needs is a Christian who has no joy. Tweet that. The last thing the world needs is a Christian that has no joy. Jesus, give us our joy back. Jesus, help us to comfort each other with the truth that you are coming again. Maybe morning, maybe night, maybe noon. But all we know is Jesus is coming soon. How many say 
You say right now, Pastor Tim, you're watching online, you're in Gulf Breeze or you're here in Pensacola and you say right now, Pastor Tim, I've allowed some things to get between me and God and I've been right there in Lukewarmville and you know what? I'm getting out. I'm, I'm, I'm repenting and I'm not gonna go that same way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow Jesus closer. Peter followed him afar off. I'm gonna get back to where I was. I'm even gonna grow past that. I'm, I'm coming back into great fellowship with King Jesus. If that's you, I'm talking to Christians right now. Raise your hand all over. Raise it up high. Hold it up high. I'm going to get out of complacency. I'm going to get out of eh, whatever. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to quit hitting the snooze button. I'm going to stop being unconcerned about my friends that don't know Jesus, who don't have hope. I'm going to fall back in love with Jesus. I'm returning today. Yes, Lord. Thank you. You put your hands down. Now, if you're here, I've given you the information that if you're left behind, Scripture says that you will believe a lie. And because you believe that lie, you will get sucked in to the Antichrist and what he wants you to believe. And you'll do what he wants you to do, which will actually be the mark of the beast. We'll talk about that later in the series. And scripture says, if you get the mark, you can't go to heaven. And so maybe you've been coming, maybe you first time here and maybe your wife or your children have drug you here and they're, please come. And so you're like, all right, if you shut up about it, I'll come. And you've heard this message or you're watching online right now and you're hearing this message and you know right now that you do not know Jesus. The time is now right now he's your savior but if you wait he'll become your judge so right now sir right now ma'am turn to Jesus look to Jesus and live look to Jesus and confess scripture says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we'll believe in our hearts that God raised his son Jesus from the dead will be saved. There are people here in the sound of my voice right now that you're no more a Christian than the next lost person. Do not gamble. Do not play games. Jesus is coming. And if you don't know him, if he's not your savior, you're not ready. You're going to be left behind. So would you right now, would you turn to him? Would you accept him into your life? Would you make Jesus your Lord, your Savior? He died for you. He loves you. He shed his blood so you can be forgiven of your sins, past, present, and future. And Jesus wants you to become a son or a daughter of the King. But the only way is the Jesus way, not many ways to God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's a narrow road, and very few people find it. So I want to lead you right now in a sinner's prayer. We're going to pray it together as a church for those who will pray it for the first time. And then if you prayed it for the first time, if you pray it for the first time, I'm gonna ask you to text the number on the screen, 850-296-7344. Text us at 850-296-7344. And here's what I want you to text me. 
text me, Jesus made me new. Let's pray together. Would you say, Jesus, I am a sinner and I need a savior. I believe you love me and I accept your love and all that comes with it. Thank you for dying for me, for shedding your blood and rising again for me. I believe it and I receive it. I declare that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. And I now give you my life and I receive your life. Now teach me how to live in Jesus name. Amen. Everyone look up. If you're watching online, 850, text me that number. 850-296-7344. If you're here or in Gulf Breeze, we want you to raise your hand up. It's your opportunity to say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. It's your opportunity for one day in heaven, Jesus say, I'm not ashamed of you. On the count of three, hold it up high. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna ask you to say anything. I'm not gonna get weird. I'm asking you to hold your hand up and say, that's what I did today. On the count of three, ready? Let's go church, we're gonna clap together. When we get to three, here we go. One, two, three. Right now, hold it up high. That's right, hold it up. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand. I see two hands. Who else? Anybody in the balcony, hold it up.